We're going to read this evening Luke chapter 22, verses 7 through 23. Luke 22, starting at verse 7. Then came the day of unleavened bread, on which the Passover lamb had to be sacrificed. So Jesus sent Peter and John, saying, Go and prepare the Passover for us, that we may eat it. They said to him, Where will you have us prepare it? He said to them, Behold, when you have entered, a, entered the city, a man carrying a jar of water will meet you. Follow him into the house that he enters. Until the master of that house, the teacher says to you, Where is the guest room that I may eat the Passover with my disciples? And he will show you a large upper room furnished. Prepare it there. And they went and found it just as he had told them. And they prepared the Passover. And when the hour came, he, re he reclined at table and the apostles with him. And he said to them, I have earnestly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. For I tell you, I will not eat it until it is fulfilled in the kingdom of God. And he took a cup, and when he had given thanks, he said, Take this and divide it among yourselves. For I tell you that from now on, I will not drink of the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God comes. And he took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and gave it to them, saying, This is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And likewise, the cup, after they had eaten, saying, This cup that is poured out for you is the new covenant in my blood. But behold, the hand of him who betrays me is with me on the table." The Son of Man goes as it has been determined, but woe to that man by whom he is betrayed. And they began to question one another, which of them it could be who is going to do this? Let's go to God in prayer. O Lord our God, on this solemn evening where we remember the great sacrifice that you gave that we might live, I pray, Lord, that you would draw our hearts to you, that you would enliven our hearts to receive the grace that you have offered us through your body, which is given for us, through your blood, which was shed for us on the cross. I pray, Lord God, that these would not be merely ancient truths, but that they would be living realities, things that animate our hearts and our minds and our souls as we serve others in the name of Jesus, who came not to be served but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for all who believe. Hear our prayer, for we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. When I was growing up, there were six words that were carved on the front of our communion table. Do this in remembrance of me. I was a teenager when I first started coming to the Lord's Supper, and every time I came, I would do my best to try to remember everything that Jesus said and did during the Holy Week. I would try to remember the Last Supper. I would remember Judas Iscariot's betrayal. I would remember Peter's denial of Jesus Christ. I would remember the crowds shouting out, crucify him, crucify him. And I would remember Jesus saying from the cross, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. And my heart would break 
because I would remember that he suffered and died for me. As we sing, it was my sin that held him there. And because of that, I approach this table not as an innocent bystander, but as an active participant, a responsible party in the death of Jesus Christ, my Lord. John Bloom from Desiring God writes this, What is it about Jesus' agony that has captivated so many? Why has it captivated us? Why are we engrossed in the very moment of his utter humiliation when he'd been betrayed and deserted by those closest to him, accused and condemned by those in power over him, mocked and taunted by those who gathered to watch the grisly specter of his death? This is what we want most to remember about him. This is the most memorialized moment in history. What kind of people are we? It's a good question. Why do we remember this? Why does Jesus want us to remember this? How do we remember Jesus' bloody death on a cross in a way that brings honor and glory to him for everything that he was and everything that he is and everything that he will be when he comes again? Is our Monday, Thursday worship service essentially a funeral service where we mourn the death of Jesus or is it a celebration of his life? What did Jesus mean when he said, do this in remembrance of me? As we come to the Lord's table tonight, I'd like to suggest that this sacrament invites us to remember the past, the present, and the future implications of the gospel of Jesus Christ. The great and glorious good news that we are saved not because of what we have done for God, but because of what God has done for us. When we eat the bread and drink the cup, we remember what Jesus did, past tense. We remember the cross. We remember Jesus' full and final victory over sin and death. His decisive defeat of Satan on the cross. We remember that it is finished. But we also remember what Jesus is doing, present tense. We remember that the gospel makes us a family. This is a family meal, a meal for the family of faith, a meal that unites us, a meal that reminds us that every you in this passage, all the yous are plural. But more than that, we remember what Jesus promised to do When he comes again, future tense. We remember that history ends not with a funeral, but with a feast. What the Apostle Apostle John called the wedding supper of the Lamb. For I tell you that from now on I will not drink of the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God comes. Because of what Jesus did. Because of what Jesus is doing, because of what Jesus will do, 
what we do here tonight matters. This sacramental meal is a visible holy sign and seal of the covenant of grace. God's gracious promise to save us for his glory and our good. Through this meal, God is telling a story. Through this meal, God is rewriting our stories. Through this meal, we become active, conscious participants by grace through faith in the body and blood of Jesus, our Savior and our King. How does that happen? How do we do this in remembrance of Him? Let's take a closer look. The first thing we remember when we come to the Lord's table is the past. When we come to the Lord's table, we remember what Jesus did. Verse 14. And when the hour came, he reclined at table and the apostles with him. And he said to them, I have earnestly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. Later in the meal, Jesus said, This bread is my body given for you. This cup is the new covenant in my blood. In other words, these elements, the bread and the cup, remind us of something that happened. They remind us of Jesus' suffering and death on the cross. When we eat the bread and drink the cup, we remember both the, the historical reality of the cross, but also the theological reality of the cross. We remember what happened, that Jesus died, but we also remember why it happened, that Jesus died for us, that Jesus died so that we might live. Because of the cross, we are forgiven. Because of the cross, we will be with the thief in paradise. Because of the cross, death is not the final chapter of our stories. Because of the cross, because of the cross, Jesus' death is the first chapter in a never-ending story, a story of grace and gratitude and healing and hope. The next time you feel guilty, remember that. The next time you feel unimportant, remember that. The next time you feel unloved, remember that. The next time you feel insignificant, remember that. This is how much you matter to God. This is how much Jesus loves you. Do this in remembrance of him. The second thing we remember when we come to the table is the present. When we come to the table, we remember what Jesus is doing. Whenever we come to the Lord's table, we come not merely as individuals, but as a church. We never come alone to the Lord's Supper. We come together. We come as part of God's church, as the family of faith. We eat this bread and drink this cup, and when we do, Jesus makes us a family. Now just think about that. Each and every person in this room is part of your family. 
When you come to the table tonight, you don't merely come with your friends, though many of us are good friends. You don't come to the table as as an American or as a Floridian, though I think all of us are both of those things. You don't come as a member of Pinewoods Church, though again, I think most of us, if not all of us, are, are members or regular parts of this body, this church. We eat this meal as members of the same family, as brothers and sisters in Christ. We have been adopted into the same royal family by the same royal king. Now, are are we a perfect family? No, there's no such thing as a perfect family. Even the best families are a little bit uh, dysfunctional sometimes. Even royal families. Just ask Harry and Meghan. (laughs) But we love each other. We serve each other. We call each other. We text each other. We support each other. We help each other. We visit each other in hospitals. And we pray for each other in our life groups. That's important. It matters. It, it matters a lot to me. You know, often people will come to me and they'll say, Hey, Pastor Joel, I'm praying for you. How are you doing? How are your mom and dad? How is Kate? How are the kids? How are your dogs? People in this church pray for our dogs. <laughs> who does that? I'll tell you who does it. Your family. And Jesus' death on the cross not merely saves us as individuals, though it does. It creates a family of faith. In 1 Corinthians 10, the Apostle Paul writes, The cup of blessing that we bless, is it not a participation in the blood of Christ? The bread that we break, is it not a participation in the body of Christ? Because there is one bread, we who are many are one body. For we all partake of the one bread. When we come to the table, remember that. Remember what Jesus is doing. He's uniting us. He's bringing us together. He's making us a family. This meal is a family meal. The third thing we remember when we come to the table is the future. When we come together to the table, we remember what Jesus is going to to do when he comes again. How many of you had a rehearsal dinner before your wedding? Anyone? All of you? Some of you? Most of you who are married? Kate and I had one of those. It was amazing. It was some of the most, one of the best days of my entire life. I mean, everybody I knew was there, all my family, all of our friends, aunts, uncles, mom, dad, grandma, grandpa, fraternity brothers, sorority sisters. People were telling jokes, and people were laughing, and there were poems and tears, and maybe a couple of kisses. We had to practice that a time or two before the wedding day. (laughs) The only thing better than our rehearsal dinner was the wedding day itself. This meal is the rehearsal dinner. It is not the full and final feast that we will enjoy in the kingdom of God. That comes later. But it's a foretaste. It's an approximation. It's a rehearsal for the real thing. This meal is preparing us for the marriage supper of the Lamb. Someday we will be gathered around the real Lord's table. 
with every Christian who has ever lived, past, present, and future. People from every country, every culture, every continent. Moms and dads and grandmas and grandpas and old friends we haven't seen in a long, long time. And new friends that we're meeting for the very first time. Christians from every, every place will be there, and lions will lie down with lambs, and Puritans will break bread with Pentecostals. <laughs> when Jesus comes again, we will feast on the bread of life. When Jesus comes again, we will drink from the cup of the new covenant. When Jesus comes again, we will live together forever in perfect harmony and peace. That's what the prophet Isaiah was talking about in Isaiah chapter 25 when he wrote this. On this mountain, the Lord of hosts will make for all peoples a feast of rich food, a feast of well-aged wine of rich food full of marrow, of aged wine well refined, and he will swallow up on this mountain the covering that is cast over all peoples, the veil that is spread over all nations. He will swallow up death forever. And the Lord God will wipe away tears from all faces, and the reproach of his people he will take away from the earth, for the mouth of the Lord has spoken. When you come to the Lord's table, would you please remember those promises? Remember that this world is not our home. Remember that we're headed toward a wedding, a feast, the marriage supper of the Lamb. Remember that Jesus is using this sacrament to prepare his people, his bride, for the joy and gladness that awaits us on the other side of the veil. What did Jesus do? He died on the cross to take away our sins. What is Jesus doing? He's making us into a family, a church, the people of the living God. What will Jesus do? He will make all things new. Do this in remembrance of Jesus. Let's go to God in prayer. Heavenly Father, we are so grateful for what you have done for us. But Lord, that's just the beginning. We are, we are overwhelmed at what you're doing in us and through us right now. And our, our minds can hardly imagine what you will do for us when you return to dry every tear from every eye. Oh, Lord God, come quickly. But until that day, nourish us with the bread. Fill us with hope as we drink the cup in remembrance of you. Hear our prayer. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.